Pastor Xavier Reese and the giver of life and the only one to offer eternity. Jesus said, no one, no man comes to the Father except through me. He, in this one statement, destroyed all religious ways. He has destroyed all religious systems that would teach contrary or in addition to Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Incredible proclamation. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Many of the apostles are remembered more for their mistakes than anything else. For example, Peter, for putting his foot in his mouth, or Judas, of course, for betraying Jesus. And then there's Thomas, commonly referred to as Doubting Thomas. But today, Pastor Xavier illustrates how the pessimism of Thomas served him well in his interactions with Jesus. Let's listen in as we begin another in our series of Simple Truths Character Studies. Thomas is our next character, and once again, it is John who will be the key to unveiling the life of one more apostle. It is in his gospel that we see the most numerous times. The other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us nothing of Thomas. His name appears only in their gospels, and then once again in the fourth of this, in Acts 1.13, he is in the second circle of apostles. Thomas has received a lot of bad rap, I think, and hopefully we will be able to dispel and correct our own view of Thomas to a more biblical one as we study him in a threefold picture. First, Thomas, the committed apostle. Second, Thomas, the unintimidated apostle. And thirdly, Thomas, the convinced apostle. Let's begin here with Thomas, the committed apostle. Let me give you some background. The location, we must look to chapter 10 of John. Verse 40 through 42 is beyond the Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing at first. The Lord Jesus in verse 40 was residing there for a time. And in verse 41 and 42, the people came to Jesus confirming all that John the Baptist had said about him. And many believed, it says. Now the reason for being present beyond the Jordan was due to the increasing hostility of the Jews against Jesus. And we find this in verse 39 of chapter 10. One of many, but that one will do. So he withdrew himself. Now, notice secondly, when you come to chapter 11 of John, verse 1 through 3, the news came to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. The place is Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha, those that he loved, those that he knew very well. She, in fact, we are told, is the one who anointed his feet. Her brother was sick. It says that the one 
whom you love is sick. And then we get a couple of verses that we don't understand at first, or it sounds and seems strange to people. It says that uh, Jesus tarried a couple of more days. And he makes that proclamation that it's not for his death. In fact, we see here the proclamation of Jesus to his disciples in verse 4 and 7 and 8. In verse 4, he says, The sickness was not unto death before the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So here again we have a good picture of Jesus knowing the future, knowing what he's doing, though in the eyes and the ears of the apostles it doesn't seem logical at all. Why would you do that? Why would you tarry? Why would you not go now? Does that sound familiar when God's working in your life? Remember, he, he knows the end from the beginning. He, he is a master artist of the situation. In verse 7 of chapter 11, the Lord announces for them to go back to Judea again. Let us go to Judea again. Well, the disciples freaked out. Look at verse 8. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Not one of the eleven were courageous enough to go with Jesus, right at that second, because they focus on the danger. I say 11 because we're going to see what Thomas says. Oh, they, they were willing to reign with Jesus. In fact, James and John put their bid in. They were all expecting to get to Jerusalem and Jesus wipe out Rome. Peter rebuked Jesus at Caesarea Philippi for discouraging the rest of the apostles that weren't as spiritual as he, that he's going to die. But they're kind of freaking out here. Very politely they're saying, Lord, you crazy? Why do we come out here? Notice, fourthly, here we see the faith proclaimed and the faith proclamation of Thomas. Verse 14 through 15. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus, is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Notice verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Jesus tells them plainly, the Lazarus is dead because they say, well, if he sleeps, it's good, Lord. He gets well. He's dead. But then he says, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. In other words, he said that he was going to do something so miraculous that it was going to increase their faith, their trust and belief in him. And there are times and there are situations where God will be behind the things that we could not even imagine he was behind because he knows the end from the beginning. And yet what he does is always just, never unfair, and never just to put us through suffering. He's interested in our depending on him more and more. The announcement was a suicide mission, to the 11 at least. Thomas, who's called twin, says to the other disciples, he turns to them, to all the eleven, 
Let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Thomas is not focusing on the danger. Thomas acknowledges and accepts the danger as an inevitable end. You see, Thomas was ready to die with Jesus. The name Thomas is the Hebrew, which signifies twin. There was another like him. We don't know if it was a sister or a brother. We don't know whether they were identical or fraternal. But he had a twin. Thomas was the most courageous man among the twelve right here. Yet we are told nothing about this courageous man outside of these four passages that we're going to look at. All through John. You see, Thomas was deeply in love with Jesus. Now he's been called a doubter, and we're going to look at that more closely. But all of them think that Jesus is crazy for going back. He turns to them and says, let's go die with him. You see, he was committed. He is the one literally responsible here for the moving of the other 11 in faith to go also. Out of nowhere, boom, Thomas jumps up. You can gather that Thomas is a pessimist. <laughs> but he dealt with the reality and did not shirk from the inevitable fatal end. There are pessimists who see the glass half full in a negative way. And there are others who see it half full and they accept it and they're content with it. This is Thomas. He's not the guy that drags you down, he's the guy that's committed. But he sees the negative. <laughs> he, he tells you, hey, be careful there. He is of such temperament that he sees the negative, but it is not to discourage or to be discouraged, but fully committed. Though, in his own personality, he does get down. He examines himself. He reflects on things. He is totally committed in the midst of the situation or circumstances out of his faith and love for Jesus. No other reason. Things don't look good. But you know what? Jesus is going to be there. So how bad can they be? He was willing to die with Jesus. Because he loved him. For Thomas to live with Jesus is acceptable. For Thomas to die with Jesus is also acceptable. For Thomas to live without Jesus is not acceptable. At all. Are you committed as a disciple and apostle of Jesus Christ? Only when those things are going right. Or even through the greatest of disappointments. Dying with Jesus. Are you equally committed? Or are you a fair weather Christian? All of us will take the test through life. One way or another. Time is the test of all things. The times of trials are guaranteed. Acts 14.22, we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. They will be of a wide variety of various kinds, 1 Peter 1.6 says. 
they will be of the severest testing, fiery, 1 Peter 4.12 says. And they will be for the revealing of the genuineness of our, our faith, yours and mine, which is more valuable than gold that perishes, being found to the praise and the honor and the glory of God at the revelation of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1.7. You turn up the heat on gold to purify it, to get only that which is valuable, to consume that that is worthless, and remove it. And so the Lord in our lives. Are you one to step forward in times when most others sidestep the challenges in Christ? Are you faithful as a soldier to endure hardness and hardship, as 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says? Do you know spiritual warfare? And I'm not talking about just being attacked. I'm talking about fighting about advancing, about being victorious? Are you a faithful athlete regardless of what you have to sacrifice, as 2 Timothy 2.5 says? If you were an athlete, you know what it is to sacrifice. You know what it is to count the cost. How much more in Christ? Are you a hardworking farmer being nourished from the harvest you're involved in, 2 Timothy 2.6? Are you being nourished and strengthened and developing and moving forward? Are you committed to Jesus? If so, then you will be committed to the church, for you cannot separate the one from the other. Jesus is the head of the church, Ephesians 5.23 says. Jesus has appointed every believer as part of his body with various gifts. You can look up Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Ephesians 4. Jesus expects you and myself to be at church, to be serving and being nourished, not forsaking the gathering of the saints as some is. Hebrews 10.25. It's one of the biggest uh, statements I get told me. I ask people, oh, you go to church anyway? He goes, oh, no, I don't go to church. Why not? Oh, I just, you know, it's just me and the Lord. Really? There's no such thing as a churchless Christian. If you're the only one alone on an island, I'll grant it to you. But as long as you're somewhere there's churches, you better pick one. And you better get involved. You better be working. You better be growing. You're part of the body of Christ. This was Thomas, the committed apostle. When his hour came... He stood up. Jesus chose him after an entire night of prayer. No mistake. Notice, secondly, let's go to John 13. Thomas, the unintimidated apostle, is revealed to us now. In chapter 13, is just a background to it. The location is the upper room. As you know, the disciples are engaged in a usual conversation. Who is the grace in the kingdom of God? This is told to us in Luke twenty two twenty four. It's a cross-reference. And Jesus said nothing about their conversation. He gave all 12 of them an example of what it is to be a servant. And he began to wash their feet in chapter 13 from verse 4 on down to 15. And then Jesus in verses 16 and 17 
told them, Moses, surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The blessing is not in hearing. The blessing is not in knowing. The blessing is in doing. They had been seen for three and a half years. They had been hearing for three and a half years. But they hadn't been doing it for three and a half years. Secondly, we see that the shocking news Jesus declares to them was that he was leaving to go to the Father in chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. In verse 1, Jesus tells them not to allow their hearts to be troubled. If they believed in God, they were to believe in him. In verse 2, Jesus tells them that in his Father's house were many mansions or abiding places. If it were not so, he wouldn't have told them. Then also in verse 2 there, Jesus tells them that he is going to prepare a place for them. And then in verse 3, 4, he tells them that if he went to prepare a place for them, he would come again and receive them to himself, that where he would be, there they would also be. And then lastly in verse 4, Jesus tells them that where he went, they knew. And the way they knew. Well, this was too much for Thomas. Thomas is the unintimidated apostle. The sincere, unpretentious honesty of Thomas is declared in verse 5. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? <laughs> the very same guy that stood up said, hey, let's also go die with him. Thomas is once again a pessimist, but unpretentious, and speaks for all the twelve. Do you think the other eleven knew the way? Of course not. I can imagine the Lord many times saying, you guys understand and you're going, huh? you know, Thomas was not a yes man. If he did not understand something, he said he didn't. I like that. Now, I'm not saying he's rude. I'm not teaching that you should be rude or, or brash or, or uncourteous. I'm talking about a person who is not intimidated by others and asks and says what needs to be said and asked. Very important. Thomas also said, and how can we know the way? You see, Thomas does not understand all this going away business. It doesn't fit right with him. Thomas states the plain question, how can we know the way? Lord, we've left all. We've followed you. And, 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 and what's all this talk you're going away? I mean, I don't mind dying with you, but... Don't tell me you're going away. <laughs> Thomas is neither embarrassed nor intimidated by the other 12. I like that. As a pastor, sometimes I see people who are intimidated by other men who are used of God. 
Now, we have to be real careful that we don't become proud in ourselves and think that they're not any better than us out of pride and recognizing that they're not better than us in humility. There's a difference. Thomas admitted, as we have seen, but he needs to be clear in his understanding. There are some men that have a lot of questions in ministry, and they take a little more time to communicate. They're not rebels. They're not people who want to divide. They're just people that want to be clear. Once you communicate that clarity of instruction, they will do exactly what God directs them in their office, in their gifts, and in your instruction. Very important. Notice fourthly here that the secret to heaven is proclaimed by Jesus to Thomas because of his being unintimidated and asking for clarity. In verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. One of the greatest statements that has ever been declared by Jesus was due to Thomas. Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know where you're the way? <laughs> I can imagine the other 11 going, how rude. Jesus said, hey, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way. There is no other person that can get you to heaven or God apart from me, Thomas. Nobody. There is no other name you can call upon, not Mary, not Buddha, not Allah, or any other name. There is no umpire arbitrary who can come between God and man. Pretty clear stuff. Pretty uh, narrow stuff, too. It's very clear. Jesus also said, I am the truth. He is the truth about the things of God and the things of man. He is the truth about salvation. He is the truth about judgment. They had been hearing all about that for three and a half years. And then Jesus said, I am the life. He is the life giver. He is the life source. He is the life taker. In him is life. And no one else. And he closes it. Jesus said, no one, no man comes to the Father except through me. He, in this one statement, destroyed all religious ways to God. In one sweep of the hand, he has destroyed all religious systems that would teach contrary or in addition to Jesus Christ. And this one statement destroyed all philosophies that present any other way to God or any other God. He, in this one statement, silenced all the atheists, the agnostics, and the philosophers who profess that there is no God or heaven. In this one statement, because of Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no man comes to the Father but by me. Incredible proclamation. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing today with backstory of one of the most well-known exchanges between Jesus and his apostles on today's Simple Truths. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Thomas. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or a Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Thomas, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 